This is Wandering Wanders, two ordinary guys wondering about extraordinary things. So what did you put on it? I put it on I put on it regular sauce, unstable sauce. And then I put extra garlic and paprika cuz the unstable sauce is boring on its own. <laughs> and then I drizzled some maple syrup on it. And then I covered it in cheese and then I had soaked the bacon and jalapenos in maple syrup. Like you syrup. had pre-soaked it? Pre-soaked for a solid 30 seconds. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I just stirred them like up so that they were all coated. No, oh, that would have been good. Good fermented bacon. <laughs> but I uh, and so I soaked it in the maple syrup and then I covered the top and then I drizzled a little and then I put it through the oven. Oh, no, then I put a little cheddar cheese on it because the cheddar gets a little crispy on top. And then I put it through the oven, and then I drizzled it all with maple syrup. So there were two rounds of maple syrup? Three. Three rounds? There's sauce, topping, drizzle. A lot of sweet. A lot of sweet. A lot of syrup, but it needed it. Somehow it was... Well, I mean, the consensus was best pizza, so... Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. It's really the most proud moment of my life, probably. This was it. Yep. All this your life. <laughs> All your life is led up to this moment. <laughs> yes. And, and it is not day. a letdown. Good. I'm not yeah. disappointed. I'm happy to hear that. Yep. So. And we're back, <laughs> folks. Welcome and back. I am now the 2021... Pizza champion of the world. Pizza champion of the seminary. Yes. Not world yet. I'm on my way. You have to start somewhere, though, You do have to start say. small. You have to start so, well, small. I started very small, and... It's the only uh, restaurant yeah. in St. Monrad, Indiana. So you could say uh, best in town. Uh, yeah. Literally. I won the best yep. pizza in the, the town in slash this, city, yes. township, membership. All of the above. Population. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's so, good. So uh, <laughs> on a totally, completely unrelated <laughs> note. Um, well, actually, no. I'll change my question. Ooh. What's the first thing you learned how to cook? Oh. It's a good question. And how uh, old were you? Am I, when you say how to cook, is it something I actually cooked well or that was taught to me? That you partook in cooking. Okay. I think it was an omelet. Okay. I think my dad taught me how to cook an omelet. Okay. Uh, I have no idea how old I was. Probably pretty young. Probably like, I'm throwing out a random number, but in my head I was eight. Okay, nice. Uh, but yeah, I, def- I remember failing. How was the omelet? Bad. So atrocious? It, it, well, it wasn't atrocious. Wait, it did just you turned cook into it like, all by yourself? Is that what happened? Uh, no, uh, I have very limited memory of this. I just remember thinking, wow, he did that so easy where he cooked it and then he just folded it over. Oh, classic. And then I tried to do that and so it didn't hard. work. It didn't work. <laughs> so it just turned into scrambled eggs, I'm pretty sure, which... I played off as all good, but yes, I, this started I obviously wanted it home. But. <laughs> it's really what all scrambled eggs start out as. They're I know supposed you to be told. like sunny side eggs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, oh. No one ever intends scrambled eggs. Oh, man, yeah. So I think it was an omelet. But the first thing I ever really probably cooked and did an all right job was uh, probably fish. Just like fried fish. Mm, yeah. Because I would catch perch and then my mom would be like, cook it. And I'll be like, okay. <laughs> And then she showed me how to butt it and cook it. And I was so like, there you it's were, cooked. five years old, cooking perch. <laughs> nice. 
Probably not five. Uh, not that much of a fisherman. Anyways. Yeah, my oh, first was uh, fried bologna. Oh, nice. Yes. So Did you put it was also on eggs. It? Uh, in the morning, we would do fried bologna and eggs. Mm. Uh, but in the afternoon for a snack, we'd do fried bologna sandwiches. I don't know mm. why bologna was a fam- like a thing I in my bologna. family. Uh, but when I was like five, I remember it was the first time I learned how to cook bologna. Because, I mean, it's about as easy as a thing gets to Yeah, it, it, just, it can't fall it apart. As long as you don't burn it, you're It good. doesn't become scrambled eggs. You don't you even know? need oil. <laughs> it just it oils itself. So uh, I do remember the most important thing was to puncture the middle so, because otherwise it'd, like, bubble up, you know? From oh, the I skin. liked the bubble so, up because you'd get crunchy on the outside. Yeah, but it cook unevenly. So. Yeah, but I like that crunchy on the outside. Very good bologna. My dad, he used to make what he called swimming pools. And I think he maybe only said that one time. I remember being like, what's a swimming pool? And him being like, it's this. And then it that never happened again. So maybe he just made that up one time. Classic dad thing to do. But anyways, it was just bologna. And when it bubbled up and made a ring, he filled it with cheese. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds like such a dad thing to do. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's good. My dad's a pretty good cook. Wow. <sighs> That's good to hear. It's yep. always great to hear dads that cook. Dads cook. Yep. Way to be, Mr. Yando. Yeah. Mr. Yando. Mr. Yando. <laughs> I don't know his first name. That's all right. I don't know it's your okay. dad's first name either. It's or okay. his last name. Oh, wow. That's awkward. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's start with a prayer. All right. Let's do that. Uh, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, through your saint. St. Jose Maria Escriva. He said, love is incompatible with boredom or apathy. Lord, teach us to love in a way that transcends boredom and apathy. Amen. In the name of the Father, Amen. and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Wow, that was a extremely fitting prayer. <laughs> Just hey, how I've been feeling lately. So great. Yeah, you go, Holy Spirit. I had a friend... <laughs> Shout out to Andrew Collins. Hey, uh, sent me a message the other Andrew day. Andrew Collins. That Drew had, Collins. Um, where he was talking about this quote. So once again, it's love is incompatible with boredom or apathy. Wow. That's Saint Jose Maria Man. Escriva. That's really perfect for what I've been. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what do you what do you think about that? That quote. Yeah. Oh gosh. First of all. I, it's not something most people would think of. Like, boredom is something that I think is a given to almost everybody. Like, yeah, you're going to be bored sometimes. Life isn't always perfect. But according to well, old what does Jose, it mean to be bored with something? Oh, this isn't actually our topic. For no, time, but, but I'm. <laughs> what does it mean to be bored with something? Yeah. I think just a general sense of insufficiency, like which is super uh, self-centered. Insufficiency. It's like, this is not good enough, which is, like I said, super self-centered because you're saying, God, what you've given me in your infinitely perfect plan of love for perfect joy and love in my life, yeah, no, sorry, not good enough. So I can see why he said it's incompatible. Because like, if love is this infinite relationship mm-hmm. with God, and it's constantly going back and forth, then there's no point where it can be insufficient. Because God's perfectly sufficient, even in himself, and then he invites us into it. So I think boredom means 
the expectation that nothing is going to surprise you, that nothing new huh. is going to happen, nothing exciting, right? That's what I think boredom is. So it's more of a lack of new. See, that's a, that's kind of what I've been feeling lately. I, yeah. I, I this this morning maybe I don't know. Stayed up late last night reading that book that we had a test on today, <laughs> and uh, and Classic. <laughs> I just like I, afterwards like or maybe I woke up this morning either late last night or early this morning. I was like, man, the most exciting thing in my life right now. Is a four question quiz. <laughs> that's sad. I know, I know. And I was like, man, gosh, that's lame. But okay. And then I, you know, the day was pretty good. Today was a good day. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, that's just, that was very fitting because this morning I was like, come on, God, do something yeah. exciting. And then God, through the Holy Spirit, with that prayer was like, I am. You're the problem. <laughs> Classic God. Yeah, I. Yeah. So Andrew sent it to me, and he was like, "This is just something you know that I'm sitting with and thinking about, and thought I'd share it." And my response was, "Yep, gonna have to sit <laughs> and think about that one." But like, my initial response was like, uh, "You know, it's I've never thought about boredom and apathy as an invitation into." sort of a, a deeper recognition of ways that I could love, mm. you know? Like celibacy. Uh, yeah. Loneliness. I mean, That's what I Loneliness. Celibacy. Yeah. So, like, the idea that... Hmm, that the places where I'm bored, or how I defined it of where I expect nothing new and exciting to happen, yeah. are actually the places that I should kind of dive into and, and look for excitement. Um, which is... Interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't, we're taking this phenomenology course right now. And so it's like, you're taking this phenomenology sorry, course. Sorry, I'm taking, it was the royal we. <laughs> 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 I, I am taking uh, this phenomenology class right now. And could you explain what phenomenology is? Well, so one of the, one of the, because I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a philosophical system. Philosophical system that, is kind of rocking the world of Catholic philosophy right now. Mm. And I don't understand it very well, which is why I'm taking a <laughs> class on it. Um, yeah. But one of its, I guess, kind of tenets is that basically we should be open to any experience as, as an experience itself. Um, and in doing so, we're able to sort of like take our preconceived notions and either sort of get rid of them or deepen them. Mm. And so since the Catholic faith is, you know, the source and summit of truth, you can sort of set it aside for a moment and question it as though you're kind of an unbeliever. Yeah. And in the midst of that sort of turn back to it with a renewed belief, but the system set up in a way that you would do that with everything. Right. Right. Um, so it's kind of like what the ideal of, I think what scientists are supposed to be doing with their experiments Mm, of like, here's, you know, a biological process that's totally new or not totally new, but totally unknown to me. Let me set aside everything that I expect to happen 
and just look at it for what it is. Mm. And in that, it sort of shows itself in a new way because I've taken away all of my expectation for it. Mm. Uh, that's not a. That's not the point of this podcast. <laughs> there's a little there's quick a taste little of phenomenology. Aside for, for phenomenology, it's uh, an extremely um, complicated, deep philosophical. Yes. So stance. I hope to be able to explain it in a much better way in the future. But, anyways, that concept <laughs> of sort of letting yourself be re-surprised by mm. things that you've sort of taken for granted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is the whole point of that system. And then that quote came up and I was like, well, this is like the, the spiritual theological, like move your heart to kind of do that thing. Mm. And, uh, yeah. So just thought I'd share and let you sit with that for the next, <laughs> I don't know however long you sit with it. So, <laughs> you know, I don't sit with things longer than 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> That's a lie. That so, is true. That's a lie. I've gotten much better at sitting with lie. things. Okay, anyway, so the topic for tonight, now that we're here, I wanted to talk about creativity. Creativity. And so rather than going with our usual question of, Eli, what, what does creativity is... mean oh, to you? Oh. I'm going to go with, Eli, do you consider yourself to be a creative person? Yes. How so? Ah, well, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't expect that one. Thought I stumped you quick with my quick answer. Yes. Okay, how do I consider myself creative? I would say that, okay, <laughs> you've watched SpongeBob, right? Have <laughs> I watched SpongeBob? <laughs> of course. A lot of people might maybe have But anyways, there's one episode where SpongeBob is learning to be a sculptor. Yes. From Squidward's, who Squidward's a, a, yes. a terrible. But anyways, um, they're talking about you have to you have to see the statue within the marble. You gotta taste the marble. You gotta go on a. You gotta, you gotta date, date the, the marble. <laughs> but yeah, so the whole point is like you have to see what is in the marble before it is the sculpture. And I think that I'm a creative person because I am able. In at least with kind of physical things, um, to be able to see what is potential in things. So, like you know, to uh, let me think of a concrete example. Uh, gosh, why can't I think of a kind of? All I can think of is kind of lame, so I need a better one. Um, so, for example, peanut butter pizza. Okay. <laughs> I was going to make a peanut butter pizza tonight. It's good that I didn't because I won with my bacon jalapeno. But probably I, an objectively better pizza. Just but, it's okay. You're about to talk about the facts. Better. That this it's unfortunately <laughs> better. But anyways, um, it's just, see, it's too basic though. It's like predictable, like maple bacon jalapeno, obviously. But I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna slap peanut butter on a pizza crust, cover it in sriracha, and put chicken. And make it make it a pizza, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was like I could see something beyond what has been given to me uh, by hmm. the world. Uh, it's just an okay example. I okay. built a cabin in the woods once, <laughs> but, but you said two words that I think are really interesting. Okay. There. So the first is potential, yeah, and the second was predictability. Yep. So 
what do you think those two mm. words have to do with creativity? With creativity. I think that, oh man, creativity, this is good. I wish Lily was here. She'd have so much to say. I know, she's probably screaming. Oh gosh, right if she, if if she still listens to this. I don't she know. does, I think. She asked me when it comes out and I told her Wednesday. <laughs> no, Oops. it's not. Hey Lily, it's Friday. Friday, I'll let you know after. But anyways, um, <laughs> creativity. And you said potential and predictability. Predictability. Or predictable, yeah. Yeah. That's all the same. Yeah. Okay, I think that hmm, potential. So God created the world. (laughs) Yes. And he gave it potential. Like we just learned last year in our theological anthropology class that Humanity was created, mm-hmm. not perfect, mm-hmm. but with the potential to, to grow closer to God, to unite all things, the whole cosmos. I wrote a paper on it. It was pretty awesome. The paper wasn't. The, my, uh, my, my study of it was. <laughs> the paper was all right. <laughs> it had some nice, yeah, nice sections there. Good quotes. moments. <laughs> it did. When it I quoted other people. <laughs> it did. Oh, man. <laughs> That's really true. The catechism was the best part of my paper. Uh, But anyways, so it's got all this potential. And so God creates man with the ability to turn potentiality Mm -hmm. into reality. So he creates man as a creator. Mm Because God has taken nothing, which has either zero or infinite potential, depending on who you are. For God, it's infinite. <laughs> if you're anyone else, it's, it's zero. It's nothing. <laughs> but so he takes nothing and he creates this world, but he doesn't like, you know, we we like to think like, okay, he made it perfect and then Adam and Eve fell and then it got sucky and now we're getting back. But like really what the, especially what the ancient church fathers saw was, no, the world is created with Adam and Eve with a goal. Like they, they have to till and protect they have to get somewhere. You don't till something that's perfect. You yeah. till something that has to be yeah. planted and grown and harvested. Mm-hmm. And so um, potentiality, what does that have to do with creativity? I think that creativity is taking that potential. It's really, it's not playing God. It is working in union with God the way we were intended to, to take mm-hmm. what something mm-hmm. could be which is, there's not just like a one, like if you have a canvas and a paintbrush and paints, there's not only one painting that could happen. Yes. But no. every yes. painting that could happen is potentially there. And then between your union with God mm-hmm. and the created thing, one thing comes out. It is no longer potential. It is actual. Yeah. It is, it is real. Example. It's in reality. Yes. Yep. Think, think about Lily. Anything. Well, as an um, aside, that's yes. actually where the uh, the title for God is omnipotent. Omnipotent. So, omnipotent. So potent is in potential. So oh, yeah. all potential. Oh, yeah. He is total that. potentiality. There you yep. go. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's, that's perfect. So yep. I guess my next question would be, um, is every person then created in the image of God supposed to be creative yes yeah i'd say absolutely i think uh i mean just look at that's one of the things that separates us from animals like animals may maybe have in a sense some what we would call creativity Mm. but animals don't do art you know like 
People, I, I've said that before, and someone said, well, elephants paint. And I said, have you seen an elephant painting? Like, it's pretty incredible that they paint, but it is not like the Mona Lisa or the Sistine Chapel. Like, yeah. no animal ever will get there. And it's crazy that we as humans can get there. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think we all are called in some way because we all have uh, this creative... I want to say energy, but it sounds kind of weird, hippie thing. But this creative potential, we're built with the ability to create. And I think we we use it in different ways. That's not just arts and crafts. You have to do paper mache if you mm-hmm. want to fulfill your potential. But like you know, some people, it comes out in in relationships. You know, they're just like, hey, we're gonna do this. Let me ask you this. There's so much potential around us all the time. Pretty much. From one second to the next, there's a ridiculous amount of potential about what we're going to do. Hmm. And so we're constantly playing this creative role to play out the way God is going to happen. So I think we all are actually creative in some way. But some people uh, more intentionally create. Okay, so does creativity have to do with only material things? So, sorry, I asked that question because the examples you've given are painting uh, and pizza. Painting and pizza. I said relationships. Did you say relationships? I said just a second ago. Sorry. But, so, no, I think that, I, I would say that, no, it's not just physical things. Now, I will say, I think that. In a sense, we're body and soul. Yep. You now, like, yes, there is creative things that probably are not physical. I don't know. But I, I think that there has to be... God created the world, the physical and then the rational aspects of it. Like, I was getting deeply philosophical mm-hmm. there, but like... <laughs> uh, but, you know, like forms, for those who know it. Aristotle and Plato and stuff, but like what makes a tree a tree? It's treeness. Every tree has a treeness that we can comprehend. Yeah. And so, you know, there's things like that, but can we be creative in that? I don't, maybe it does have to be physical. I think it has to be physical. I think it has to be physical? Yeah, I don't Fine. think there's a way for us to sort of remove the physicality out of our creativity. Because the the other like even in our imaginations, like when we're creative, it's with physical imagination. We can't not. Like, we can't move on. Yeah, so we can't can't really transcend that. But I think it's interesting that you talk about relationships, um, because it goes right back into that quote, right? That love is incompatible with boredom yeah, yeah. and apathy, right? So then, well, the answer to that is what surprise and creativity well that's like that's like you know what i kind of thought of when i said that is uh like a married couple yeah i mean there's some some old couple that that have been married for 60 years yeah that's easy to get bored and yet they still usually hopefully um they enjoy being around each other they there's still a sense of mystery and surprise to them um and i think that that takes that doesn't just happen 
It doesn't fall into your lap. They're just like, oh, I love this person, so it's just going to be perfect and we're going to be old and happy together. No, that takes 60 years of constantly building this relationship. You're creating. You're bringing, like, like where you know, mm. Jesus says, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in, in your midst. Like they're, when we come together, we build this image of God, of Christ. And so like a relationship, a marriage that's been together for 60 years or even just a friendship, like you constantly have to be adding on. You can take away. Uh, and so like if you have to be adding on. Otherwise, things start to kind of wither and die. And uh, that's when you see relationships Yeah, I mean, I think apart. this really goes back to our mystery podcast, right? Yeah. Like it's... Because yeah. I, I think the... Uh, so if the negative is love is incompatible with boredom and apathy, then the positive would be what? Love, love is compatible, which isn't as profound, but love yeah. is compatible with what? Mystery and surprise or something. Apathy. It's not a one-to-one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. care and mystery. I don't know. Something yeah. Like that. Yeah. Cause I think that at least with creativity in a relationship, you can't get rid of that intentionality. Like you said, it doesn't just happen. It's a, it's a work like well, I guess I guess what I find interesting is that there seems to be boredom and creativity are almost like opposites mm-hmm. because in boredom, it's as though there's no potential. And yep. creativity is not unlimited potential, but this state in which you are like pursuing and seeing yep. potential. But the crazy thing to me about creativity, and this is, I guess, kind of a segue, is that like, where is it that that potential we see comes from? Like, how how can you look at a pizza and say, this needs peanut butter? Like, yeah. where did that idea come from? Or how do you look at these paints in front of you and say, you know, this could make, and then you have the Mona Lisa or the Sistine Chapel. Like, how, where do those... Well, could you come from? Counter question. Yeah. Do could you create something that you have not in some way experienced? Is that possible? Create something? Yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because I think I mean it's it's kind of what we do in dreams and in our imagination, right? Like but, we we dream things that we haven't experienced by combining other people's experiences or ideas or whatever. But you, everything in that dream, you know, like everything you see when you're dreaming. Yeah. But you, you haven't know. personally experienced it, but you, you've experienced it some way. Maybe you haven't had like, you've seen, touched, felt all the experience of it, but like, okay, well, what do you mean you by experience? S- then? I, but, well, I, I don't <laughs> can you come up with something completely New? Uh, new and original. No. There's nothing no. new under the sun. Under the sun you yeah. Know? I mean, that's, see, that's yeah. the thing that's crazy to me, is to think that like anything that is new is, like you said, combinations of things that have I've yeah. experienced in some yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like all these fantasy stories and stuff, they have to be described using things that we can in some way experience. Um, yeah, that it's like that every story is is all ultimately like a subset of the greatest story ever told. Yeah. You know, yeah. But just like even these whimsical creatures and stuff, like yeah. they're made of parts of different things. Yeah. There's nothing completely new. And I think that 
that shows like that shows our, our order in creation. We are not the creator. We cannot create out of nothing. We can create only out of potential. Yeah, I guess the yeah. weird thing about that is that if you were to create something like that new, it would just be incoherent. Like, you can't just throw random stuff together. That's Then I, it's just randomness. Have you ever read right? uh, The Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis? No. I'd highly suggest it. I know. But one, the, the second book is the best, but the first book, one of the coolest things is Ransom, mm-hmm. the main character, who's based on Tolkien. You're not going to spoil it, are you? Maybe a little, but not too much, because <laughs> you'll probably already know kind of the basis. But anyways, he goes somewhere. <laughs> he goes somewhere that is completely different than anything he's ever experienced before. Yes. Completely. Yeah. To the point where he, when he shows up there... He can't really see almost. Like he can see, but things don't make any sense. His mind can't comprehend until he starts making connections to things like this is kind of like, Mm -hmm. like there's these things that end up, he's like, oh, it's like a super tall tree that's kind of broccoli like. But he literally before was like, ah, it's a purple mass. Like what? He's freaking <laughs> yeah, out. He's okay. like, what's going on? And it's a really cool description, the yeah. way he writes it, where he shows up and his mind just can't comprehend. There's nothing he can relate it to right away. And eventually he makes these relations to things he knows from his normal home place. Hmm. And uh, he comes to know this new place. He comes to understand it. But... Like you said, if it's something completely new, it becomes incomprehensible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So do you think it's possible to uh, cultivate creativity? Yes. How so? I'm assuming is the next question. You took the last uh, How, how do we cultivate creativity? creativity? Yeah. I think in large part by experiencing other people's creativity. Um. Yeah. Let's say there's two ways, actually, I guess, majorly. So other people's creativity, to look at art, to listen to music, to even just God's creativity, to be out in nature and to really experience it, you know, to to really, really see it. Um, I think that's definitely a way we can grow because it shows us potentials that we, with the same things that we, we can create with, it shows us potentials that we don't know. So it's like we have this, I'm creative, so I have this bubble of potential that I can work within. And then we bump into someone else's bubble and we can see like, whoa, I never would have thought of that. And hmm. so it it's kind of slowly just expands yeah, yeah, our yeah, yeah. creative bubble. And then the other way I would say is just flexing our creative muscles. Uh, <laughs> by Classic doing flex. creative things. Yeah. Um, and especially the kind of the basic creative things of, you know, like, do the arts. You know, be, try and be musical. Uh, try and write something. Try and write a poem, even if it sucks. You know, like, you're you're working with the, a lot of potential there. And a master artist does not become a master artist right off the bat. They You have to kind of grow and work with it. So... And I think that those kind of go hand in hand because the more you become uh, attuned to the potential of things, 
the more you can see other people's potential and things, the more you can uh, experience more creativity in the world. Okay, what do you think about the description of potential as chaos? Hmm. I don't like it. No? No. I, I think there's a sense that that's right to it. But but I think it's chaos. Hmm. Or disorder. Maybe that's a better word. I guess. No, like, I don't know. I, I think there's something right to it. Because. And, and true to it. Yeah. Here's. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this will clear it. Yes. So here's what I think is happening. Is yeah. that creative. In the creative act. We take something that is sort of unlimited potential or unrealized potential and then we sort of order it so there's kind of this disorder that's being brought into order and so in a, in a real way when we are sort of participating in the creative act we're becoming co-creators in the same way that God brings the world into like existence by bringing order to chaos yeah. right yeah so that like the our creative act is just like this echo of god's sort of ultimate creativity yeah what do you think about that okay i like that yeah yeah cuz that that makes me think also of uh how we are working for the resurrection that like hmm. we, everything we do in the name of Christ, every creative act we do in the name of Christ, which does not necessarily have to be, I'm doing this in the name of Christ, but if it is good, if it is a good creative act, then it is in some way building up the world, preparing for the resurrection. Hmm. And the, the catechism has a part that says all of our endeavors will in some way be present in the resurrection after the second coming. So like, wow. so like everything we do is like you said, ordering the world. It's bringing it closer and closer to the resurrection. Yep. Now, the key, which I think is Caveat. awesome, is we cannot ever get it there. Yes, like we can never say, "Oh, we did it. We worked hard enough. We were creative enough. Ooh, here comes the resurrection." No, everything we do is working towards it. But then Christ, I mean, we're always going to have this infinite distance because it's perfect unity with God. And there's always more disunity than there is mm -hmm. unity in, mm -hmm. in our current state. So we're constantly growing closer, but Christ has to complete, uh, I don't know if it's a, yeah, probably infinite gap. So like we can work as much as we want. It is not meaningless, though, is the, the cool thing. Yeah. Like, it's not just like, oh, you're going to die and then Christ's going to come and everything's going to be made perfect. It's like everything that you've done. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, no, everything you've done will matter. If it's done good, Yeah. every bad thing will be wiped away. Um, but every good thing will be present there, will actually matter. That's the beauty of God, mm -hmm. God saying, like, yes, I'm going to let you be co-creators with me. I'm going to let you partake in this. He doesn't have to, but he chooses to. So I like that idea of it's disordered. I mean, it just like I said, it goes back to Adam and Eve of like, it yeah. wasn't finished. And he said, finish it. They failed. 
And then Jesus came along and said, this is how you do it, and did it. And now we're working through yeah, the Yeah, maybe disorder is too strong. Maybe lacking order. I think that it's just <laughs> to uh, not make be helpful in any way. It's got potential that's not there. Yeah, it's unrealized. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that doesn't mean it's bad right now. That means <clears> that it could be better. It's beautiful. It is. Yeah. Here's the question: though. Can there be bad or negative creativity? Yes. Really? Oh, bold move. Why? Hmm. Wow, that's a hard question. I don't think there can be. All right, so I think it's... I think it's possible to actually... I guess, I guess to bring more disorder... So it'd be like a creative disordering, yeah. but it'd be the opposite of creativity. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know if you would call that. See that creative? Yeah, I think that's, you'd call it destructive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but so, I think there's things that are seen as created by the world that are actually just—they're dis, disordered. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all I can think about is. The freaking Silmarillion that always... Yeah, that's what I was thinking of, too. Melchior trying to make his own song. Yeah. And it's like, even even there where he's... If you haven't read the introduction to the Silmarillion, it's so worth reading. It's 16 pages. Yeah, and it's worth it. Google it. Um, Yeah, Melkor, who's representative of the devil in this sort of angelic... In the heavens, it's, it's... Tolkien's giving this creation story. Melkor is representative of Lucifer, who chooses to, in kind of this angelic concert, to become his own conductor. Um, so he decides that he wants to present his own concert in contrast to Iluvatar's, who's representative of God. Um, so Iluvatar like uh, permits him to make his own music and they clash like the music there's discord in the heavens right um but the fascinating part and the beautiful part yeah. is that Iluvatar's melody God's melody uh w- is woven in a way that allows Melkor's discord to sort of actually end up enhancing the original song. Yeah. Um, so it's actually in sort of Lucifer's or Melkor's supreme disunity that actually more beauty is... Yep, yep. Uh, what's the word he uses? Like propounded or something? It's like oh, this really beautiful language. Know, but it's so good. Um, but still, I think that, that that's the work of God. Yeah. Iluvatar, not Melchior. Melchior was oh, not... Oh, absolutely. Was not creepy. Well, no, because he does kind well, of... Well, he... So it's it's what you were saying with the catechism, right? Like, that our works are not for nothing. So without Melkor's melody, like, it's... That... It wouldn't have existed. Like, those sounds and that that concert wouldn't have happened, right? Yeah. But it's God's grace that allows that to be woven in, in a way that's beautiful as opposed to destructive, you know? Yeah. 
So I don't I don't know if I have an answer to that question. I'm I'm yeah. I think from a small perspective, it's possible to to be creative in a in a poor way. But in the grand perspective, like from God's eyes, there's only there's only his creativity, so there's only good creativity. But yeah, I don't think you could use the word creativity in the poor creative sense. Because yeah. I think you're breaking down what has been made good. Like you look at some, yeah. some yeah. modern art, you're like, that is disordered. You have taken something ordered in the world it's and made it less to make it ordered. less ordered. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so like that's not creative. That's just... Hmm broken it's twisting of it a bent yeah yeah i guess that's like calling a a bad thing good yeah because i think creativity i guess there'd be always has to really be partaking in an in the creativeness of god yeah so because you know like was was adam and eve's creation of original sin creative in their fall was disordering it was breaking yeah. taking something away yeah. ruining and god worked good with it but you know you brought about the best good ever in the redemption of man but hmm. yeah it still uh was disordered in the beginning and disordering good yeah, yeah. well there you any, go uh, any parting thoughts no i think this is good i think that uh just in general, that creativity in the sense of the arts is, and I think we've talked about this before, just really underrated in our society. Yeah. And I think that it brings us closer to our relationship with God to to try and take hold of this creativity because it's who we're made to be. And I think, I guess along that lines, I, I, I think we should have a expanded understanding of what creativity is. Like I think more often than not, it's perceived as just music and painting and yeah, yeah. Um, but like today, I was talking with my little brother about uh, he's in supply chain management, yeah. And he was getting really excited about these spreadsheets for <laughs> one of his classes. But I love spreadsheets. I don't know what it is about graphs, but they just they make oh me so excited. my god! And, uh, and he was so excited about these because there was a part of it where it was like this investigation into, like, essentially why these numbers were disordered, and them bringing order out of them. And so it was this excitement that he had was really like a creative excitement. Hmm. Um, there was a mystery there. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I feel that same thing in, in programming. I know Paul used to feel that or still feels that about math. Yep, Dr. You know, Paul, like, Roy Wilson, Paul Jim. So. <laughs> I think he listens to the show, actually. Hey, Paul. Hey, um, shout out to Paul. Yeah, so I, I think we need to expand kind of our understanding of creativity and allow ourselves to like really rest in the fact that, you know, us living in the image of God to some degree means that like we are co-creators. And so we need like, there's a need there, a very human need. So yeah, I agree. You can find it. It might not be the basic arts of what we think, but you have a creativeness to you. No matter what you're, you you have something, find it. So what is it? 
Yeah. Think about that this week. Yeah, where's your creativity? Also, where are you bored and apathetic? You know? Oh, yeah. You mm. should uh, dive into that. I got to think about that one. Yeah, me too. So. Also, shout out to Claire. Way to catch my joke last week. <laughs> Eli texted me that, and it, it made me very happy. So. Good, 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 good. All right. All right. Well, may all of your wanders be blessed. God bless. Oh, we're still on. We're still on. Oh, my mouse. There it is.